the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you with us. My name is Jeremy Stolnecker here with Chad Robichaux, and this is the show where we do our best to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And today's conversation is going to be a little bit different than uh, perhaps our formats in the past. If you are a regular listener to this show, we do, on a regular basis, do everything that we possibly can to provide you with information, with data, to give you the perspectives you need to make the right decisions. We know the world is changing around us all of the time. There are new things happening all of the time. The flow of information is crazy. And because of all of that, it's difficult to make good decisions. Uh, the topic that we're going to discuss today is one of those topics where there is a lot of information. But in spite of that, most people, most Americans don't really understand fully what's happening. Uh, maybe you've seen a headline. Maybe you have uh, talk to a friend who has a better understanding than you do, but you may not understand fully what's happening. We want to talk about that today, and really the topic that we are going to be discussing broadly, and we'll narrow in on some specific aspects, is Afghanistan. We have been in the country of Afghanistan as a military presence for uh, the last 20 years, of course, and if you've been alive for the last 20 years, you probably know that, uh, but a lot of people don't understand what's happened, even in the last few weeks. We are in the process of withdrawing. We're pulling our troops and our presence out of the country of Afghanistan. A uh, handover has already been done there. There are some troops still there uh, facilitating that handover. But for all intents and purposes, we are out after 20 years. And uh, just like so many other countries before us, we went in. We accomplished some of our limited objectives. We stayed longer than we should have. We are moving out. And now those warlords of the tribes that once had control are regaining control. <laughs> this is a story that has been written. It is one that we could look back on. Many countries have experienced this, and now it's our turn. Uh, and Chad, this is a conversation and a topic that I know for you and I is uh, perhaps a little more personal than for a lot of people, uh, specifically for you. You, you lived in Afghanistan um, eight tours of uh, combat tours in Afghanistan as United States Marine and uh, spent a lot of time there. And so I know this is uh, personal for you as well. Beyond that, you have spent a lot of time talking about specific aspects of this to national media. So um, bring us up to date on what's happening in Afghanistan, and then we'll talk about some of the more specific ramifications of the decisions that have been made. Yes, as you mentioned, as you mentioned this is very personal to me. Afghanistan is a place that I've been eight times. My son went there. Uh, you know, we've been there for 20 years and I had a lot of experience, not just deploying to Afghanistan, but being embedded and integrated with, with local Afghans because of the nature of my job. You know, I got to really understand who the Afghan people were, what their goals were uh, for fighting alongside of us. And, um, and it, you know, it just really exposed me to a perspective that, I, you know, maybe a lot of people won't share uh, with me. But, you know, one of the things that uh, I continue to hear right now is have we been successful? Have we not been right. successful in Afghanistan? 
the White House press secretary, Ms. Saki, said that this was not considered a military success. I couldn't disagree with her anymore. I mean, I strongly right. disagree with that statement. And uh, you know, she could speak for herself, even though she wasn't in the military. Um, we we did succeed. When when the twin towers were attacked on 9/11, America responded to send the U.S. troops to Afghanistan to seek out those responsible. And we went there and we uh, we identified those responsible, and we either captured them or we killed them. And we were successful in that mission. Uh, you know, from a conventional roles in the military to uh, to its special operations uh, units where I was, and I got to witness you know, over a hundred missions of, uh, of going out and capturing and killing these bad guys. We were successful. The problem that happened was after we were successful, we continued with what we call mission creep yeah. and we crept and we crept and we crept and we crept and we kept doing things and expanding our role in areas that we never intended to go there and do. We built the Afghan national army. We built the Afghan national police, the ANA and the ANP. We began to police Afghanistan uh, in, 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 in a way that we, didn't intend to do when we got there in a way that Af- the Afghan people didn't want to be pleased. It started off with uh, ISAF, the International Security Assistance Force. And then, you know, we did it as a U.S. service, uh, as a U.S. military service. And then we supported other people doing it. And we, I don't think we ever had a role to do that, but we did. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, we maybe even went a little overboard with attempting to instill democracy in a place that doesn't want democracy right. uh, and govern the way that we govern the United States. And that, you know, that should be okay for a different place around the world to govern differently than we do. And so I think we really overstepped our presence there. And here we are 20 years later. Yeah. And I don't think anybody in a better community is debating on whether we should or shouldn't leave. I think everyone's like, we've been there 20 years. We paid a, we paid a lot of, you know, uh, high costs for being there, especially in the lives of Americans and, and billions of tax that pay our dollars. And yeah, we should leave. The question really lies is, how do we leave? Yeah. How do we leave correctly? Uh, how do we leave in a way that, uh, that allows Afghanistan to be successful, that allows the ANA, the Afghan National Army, and the Afghan National Police to be successful when we hand it over to them, which we already handed over to them? And I don't believe we left that way. I believe right. we left hasty, uh, recklessly, and without a good strategy uh, for handover and for future involvement there. And, uh, you know, and I believe the reason it was done, and I can't, I can't assume what the presidential administration's reason was, but it appears to me it was a, it was a campaign promise and that we're trying to keep a campaign promise and get, you know, America out of Afghanistan. And uh, by doing things fast like that, there's consequences that come from it. What we've done is we created a vacuum of power, and that void is going to be filled uh, or, or have a deep desire to be filled by the Taliban. The same people were rooted out of there. Yeah. We already seen it. Province after province has been taken over and the pressure's closing on Kabul. The Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police have, in some cases have been overrun and, and killed by the Taliban. In other cases, they've just handed their guns over and surrendered. And we're seeing this unfold right now because of the way that we left. Yeah. Now, I'm not the commander in chief. Uh, <laughs> And I don't plan on ever becoming the commander in chief, but, you know, I've been asked a lot on national media, how would I have handled this? How would I leave? You know, a lot of times you bring up problems and, and you get cornered. You're like, well, sure, what would you sure. do different? Yeah, what would you do? So, you know, I, I think a lot of people would not agree with me, especially people that don't really understand the region, but I don't think America should have left, uh, should have left our left without any presence there. A lot of, and I've seen the comments, uh, you know, I've been on the news a lot about this and I've seen, I've made this statement people are like, 
you know, that's their war, like Afghanistan, you know, Americans should be giving their lives over Afghanistan and, you know, forget about them, let them fight. You know, I get it. I get where people are coming from, but we have a, a an obligation as a, as the United States military to defend our national security to, and, and sometimes that just isn't on the borders the National Guard and the Coast Guard can't do that. Sometimes we have to go abroad to do that. Right. And we had Bagram Air Force Base that was the strongest, uh, that was, you know, the strongest stronghold in the Middle East. And America had that. And, and not only did we have that for us, but we had the capacity and ability to support the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National P, uh, Police through support and advisory roles. Uh, we could do that uh, from, from, our, from base, from that base, we can control things and provide support there from that base without ever growing off that base and doing the policing ourselves. And other nations could come in and do that for Afghanistan as well. And they have been, but now we've forfeited that. We gave Bagram Air Force Base up. In addition to that, being able to use it as a, a stronghold to support the Afghanistan and keep Afghanistan stable. In addition to that, by giving it up, we gave up, we gave away the ability to have that center, uh, that's be in the center of this kind of access of evil, right? You have, you have Iraq there, you have China, you have Russia, you have Iran. Afghanistan sits in the middle of that. That's why people have been fighting for it for thousands and thousands of years. We had that at Bagram Air Force Base and we had that stronghold there. Without that, Afghanistan, China, Iraq, they all look at, you know, look at us and we don't have that presence there. So they're going to be a little more confident. They're going to do things that they normally wouldn't do we're right there and have, you know, ability to just reach them so quickly, you know, they may not behave the way they're going to behave. They may not collaborate the way they're going to collaborate. And so we've really given that up. And I think it's a, it's a kind of a detrimental mistake yeah. strategically for America and also the consequences go beyond our own interest uh, in the, you know, seeing Afghanistan fail and the consequence will be, you know, thousands and thousands of Afghan lives. And, uh, and also we're going to see as Afghanistan's overtaken and Kabul finally falls because I believe Kabul will fall. Uh, we're going to see the Taliban come in, institute its uh, jihadist mentality, their religious ideologies. Sharia law will come back in place. It'll become a hot bed for terrorism. They're going to launch uh, right out of Kabul, which we have control over. They're going to launch uh, you know terrorist attacks around the Western world uh, from there. And so maybe we end up back there because yeah. of that. Someone will. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. 
There's there's so much about uh, what is happening and the decisions that are being made that's puzzling um, from the top. And, and you started here, the administration saying that we have not won, that we cannot win, that we need to withdraw. Maybe it is motivated by a campaign promise. Uh, you know, it probably is. But the fact that the administration wouldn't claim success is strange to me. Um, again, if we went there to capture Osama bin Laden, we did that. We captured and killed Osama bin Laden uh, under the administration of Barack Obama. I mean, this was a Democratic president who a lot of things led up to that, but he gets credit for it because he was sitting in the chair when it happened. Um, so why is the administration saying, no, we did not successfully accomplish the mission? Uh, it's It's puzzling. And one of the things that that does, we're going to talk about other consequences more specifically to the folks who are in Afghanistan. But I think one of the consequences, hearing the commander in chief of the United States military, the president, and his administration say that we went there, we spent 20 years there, we invested um, our financial resources there, we invested military resources there, we invested a lot of lives there, and we still did not meet any measure of success. What that communicates then to the military member who was there and many, uh, you, you went back, you know, a number of times, so many of the folks that we work with through our foundation, uh, many deployments, uh, hurt personally, um, watched friends and, you know, people that they cared about die there. Uh, so much was invested there. And then we have an administration saying we didn't do our job. And I think one of the things that has to be communicated and it should be communicated by our president, but it won't, one of the things that has to be communicated to the military member that served there, to the family member that lost someone there, to a country that sent our young men and women to a place most of us were very unfamiliar with 20 years ago, we have to continue to communicate. We went there to do a job, and we did that job. It was successful in spite of what you know, the administration, the press secretary, or the president uh, himself says about that. We were successful. And uh, I think for a lot of military members, there should be a great sense of pride in, in doing what happened there. And um, man, to think that we'll send, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old young people to a place like Afghanistan to do something that is, I mean, it's been, been said that it couldn't be done. It was done <laughs> and America has been safer. One of the things we don't know is what was prevented because we went to Afghanistan. Uh, we've not had another 9-11, and I believe the reason we haven't had another 9-11 is because we were successful in accomplishing the mission we went to accomplish in Afghanistan. And, and you alluded to this, and I think that's so important that we continue to beat that drum. We did what we went there to do. The, the other part of this that's confusing to me is uh, a lack of understanding of the role of the United States military. <laughs> this is I was asked this question in an interview a couple weeks ago. What does the military do? What is the role of the military? I assume that everyone gets this, but apparently not everyone gets it, including, um, you know, our political leaders who are making these decisions. The role of the United States military is very simply to protect, to defend American interests locally and abroad. That's it. We have a constitution. It lays out what we as Americans believe, what we hold to be um, important to us. And we're even fighting over some of those things now. But the United States military is to defend Americans and American interests locally and abroad. Projecting power sometimes is a part of that. And we went there and we did that. The mission changed. We probably should have left Afghanistan a long time ago. We didn't. But in the meantime, we established a foothold that we can then continue to defend American interests, both locally as we prevent terrorist attacks and abroad uh, to these countries that you just mentioned. And to not understand the strategic role of the United States military um, is, is a failing that 
is beyond comprehension unless the administration does understand and just doesn't care, which is also uh, a possibility. But so much about what's happening is uh, is insane. <laughs> um, but perhaps one of the biggest consequences, and uh, we could talk about a lot of things, but I know one that you have been talking about again and again, are the consequences to uh, those Afghans who supported our efforts in Afghanistan, uh, and in many cases, saved many American lives, and now in, you know, a large sense are being abandoned or being walked away from. And that is a huge consequence to the way that uh, our withdrawal has been handled. Yeah, this is something I've been personally invested in uh, since the withdrawal was announced. Uh, you know, we have had what we've accomplished in Afghanistan could not have been accomplished without the support right. of the Afghan allies. And I don't just mean the rebuilding of Afghanistan. I don't mean the, you know, policing of Afghanistan and building the Afghan National Army. I mean, the reason we went there to go after right. these bad guys that, right. that wanted to conduct harm in the United States of America. Uh, we could not have been done without our Afghan friends. And uh, nearly 80,000 Afghans served with us. Uh, Twenty, About 20,000 of them were actually embedded with us. Interpreters or combat, you know, cultural consultants uh, that were just embedded with us. They fought shoulder to shoulder with us. Many of them died defending us. And uh, I mean, and they, they fought, you know, for their, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people, I will say, you know, why do we care about them? You know, like they, you know, that's their country. Let them fight for their country. They shouldn't be able to come here uh, and, and, and come here. Like, what, what do we mean? We're leaving them behind. That was their country. Let's go. You know, they take care of themselves. We take care of them. A, a lot of people will say that. And I've, I've been seeing the comments and stuff on social media. Look, these guys made a, made a decision to fight the same jihadists we were fighting, to fight against the same ideologies, right. and to fight for a free Afghanistan. That's what they wanted. They wanted what we have here in America. And they chose to, to fight for us. They chose to believe in you know, what we believe in. And they chose to fight against the Taliban. And in many cases, put their own lives in jeopardy put their families' lives in jeopardy, yep. and they served alongside of us, just like, I mean, just like us. And, uh, and, and now we're leaving. And, and we had what was called the SIV program, Special Immigrant Visa Program. By the U.S. State Department, it's SIV 602B, if anyone wants to look it up, mm -hmm. Afghan Allies Protection Act. Of those, uh, but of those 80,000 Afghans, we had 26,500 visas. Now you think, okay, uh, well, that's a that's a, a quarter, a little bit more than twenty five percent. No, that's for their families uh, as well. And Afghans, like if you know anything about Afghanistan, they have a lot of kids. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're probably talking about you know five thousand actually, the ones of the eighty thousand that served with us. And uh, and then about uh, about two uh, in twenty early twenty twenty, we added about four thousand more. But since this white this White House announced the withdrawal of Afghanistan. They didn't add this into their plan. They didn't equate like, hey, we're leaving and all these people, Afghans that serve with us are going to pay concert. We have to give them out too. Yeah. They didn't equate that in their plan. They didn't add any more visas. And so it was a big push. Me and, and many others were really pushing like, hey, you have to get more SIV visas for these Afghans or they're going to be killed. The Taliban is going to kill them uh, for this. And so there was a bipartisan bill passed uh, in the House. I think it was like 95 or 98-0. I don't know what the vote was, but it was completely bipartisan, something we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, and it was, it was called the uh, averting loss of life and injury uh, by ex expediting SIV, Special Immigrant Visa Allies uh, Act. 
And that was for uh, HR, HR, you might want to know what's in the number, HR house, uh, the house bill 3985. And that added about 8,000 more. Again, not 8,000 Afghans that served with us, 8,000 people total, that's families included. So we're still talking way under the amount of, you know, about, we're talking like maybe being able to get out, you know, 10, 15% of the Afghans that served with us. Uh, just recently, they, they was on the news that we had 700 of those guys to Virginia. And I'm, I'm, I'm told those are, those are guys, Afghans that were embedded with the CIA. Those wasn't ones in the SIV program. Uh, nonetheless, what we're seeing is some misinformation. We're seeing the news, the White House press secretary, all telling one story, uh, the story of what, what would happen in the House to pass this bill, the story of the State Department having this SIV process. Uh, unfortunately, what happens right now in this uh, politically polarized environment is you get all this talk uh, from the White House, from the media, uh, kind of, hey, this is what the, the presidential administration is doing, right. and uh, they're doing a great thing, and the truth gets hidden. And yeah. look, uh, this isn't a political issue to me. There's a lot of other issues that I could be political about. This isn't a political issue to me. This is a humanitarian issue. This is doing the right thing. Uh, this, that's what this issue is. And I don't care who's in the White House. We have to do the right thing here. But they're talking about it. They're passing bills and legislation. The State Department has you know, SIV 602B. But the reality, the truth on the ground is that embassy office in Kabul, Afghanistan has been closed since June 3rd because of COVID. So these Afghans on the ground, they're hearing everybody talk about this, where they're like, hey, I can't get in the embassy to apply for this thing, yeah. to expedite my visa. I can't get out. And so these Afghans who served with us are left behind. And it's, it's horrific uh, what they're facing. As the Taliban closes in, all of these uh, families and friends are ratting out their, their, each, they're ratting each other out for survival. They want to, they want to earn favor with the Taliban. Hey, this, this person, they were working with the, with the U.S. service, uh, U.S. service members, and they're ratting each other out. Hundreds of stories I give you just recently. There was, there was an Afghan who was working with the army. He was, he was vocally like, Hey, I need to get out, or they're going to kill me. I'm getting death threats. Taliban pulled him over. Uh, well, they tried to stop him at a checkpoint. He drove through the checkpoint. They shot him. He crashed. They pulled him out of the car. They cut off his head. I mean, this is what's continuing to happen. They just, uh, just yesterday, they blew up a, a, a minister's house. The Taliban blew up a minister's house just outside of Kabul. Yeah. They're getting into Kabul right now. And, uh, you know, and every veteran probably has their Afghan story. For me, uh, you know, in my eight deployments uh, at a JSOC task force, I had several Afghans that worked with me, um, not several, I had a, you know, a bunch that worked with me. 10 of them were captured and killed, probably, probably to save my life. And uh, these were my brothers, like guys I loved and, and, uh, and fought alongside, lived alongside, lived in their homes, ate dinner with their families, played soccer with their kids. These are my, like, these are my like combat buddies. And, and one of them who didn't die, and I won't say his name because uh, of you know trying to protect him, but his family has already ratted him out. His brother went to the Taliban and said, hey, this guy has worked with my brother, has worked with special operations for 20 years. Hmm. And if in the four years I worked with him, you know, he was at the premier special operations unit. I mean, this guy is like, got vetted, highly vetted, polygraphed on a regular basis, proved his loyalty to America, saved my life multiple occasions. Uh, I can name three occasions that I know he in fact did save my life and observed him save the lives of my friends. And, uh, you know, by putting his, his, his own life in danger, he, he was, 
this guy, like, I get so many stories I give about, about him, but he's just such an incredible human being. Yeah. And one, one night we were, uh, we had, we had put a four man Navy SEAL team into a Taliban invested village. This was a, a four man sniper unit. We were two snipers and two spotters. They knew the RNS mission, which is a recon surveillance mission to find this high level bad guy that we're going to do a capture kill mission on. I mean, this is like Taliban infested area so much that U.S. conventional forces wasn't going in this area. Mm. And they got stuck. Uh, I can't, I don't give the details, but uh, as part of the operation went wrong and they were stuck in this village. And, uh, and we need to figure out how to get them out. If we would have sent a QRF, a traditional QRF, a quick reaction force in, uh, one, it would have compromised the mission because we still had this bad guy that we did get. And two, anytime you send a QRF in to a hot zone, there's going to be a gunfight. Right. If there's a gunfight, people are going to die. So we didn't want to compromise the mission. We didn't want people to die. What's the least risk way to do this? And uh, man, my Afghan guy like came up right away. He said, hey, I got a plan. We listened to him because we trusted him. And he came up with a really good plan. It was a crazy plan, but it was a really good plan. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to drive a vehicle. And we, the, you know, and, the, and I'm gonna, he took me and two other teammates and drove us. We drove a couple hours through the night. We drove into this Taliban-infested village. And we snuck those those Navy SEALs out and, uh, and and rescued those guys. And the mission was able to continue on. I mean, this guy's an American hero, and he's not even an American. Yeah. And there's so many guys like him. And, and his case, we've been trying since 2015 to get his visa through. Uh, but because of red tape in the State Department, because of a very broken immigration system, we haven't been able to pull it off. And, and there's thousands of cases like this. And now... All this is all this hype about this, you know, this uh, this SIV 602B by the State Department and the House just passed 980. None of that matters if you can't, if the guys on the ground right. can't right. get out safely, if they can't get their families out safely. None of that matters what the news yep. says. None of that matters what the White House press secretary says. These guys can't get out. And unfortunately, people like me who love these guys, they owe these guys like a life debt. We're having to take matters in our own hands. Yep. Legally, by the way. Uh, we're not breaking any laws, but you know, I in two days I've raised because some amazing people raised eighty thousand dollars to get him and his family out, and we're going to get him out. We have a great plan to get him out, get him to a neighboring country, and then uh, and, and then uh, get him his visas from there, get him and his family's visas from there. Every day right now, he's moving his wife and his six kids. They move every day because yeah. the Taliban's after them, and uh, and so once we get him to another country, we get his visa. And this guy, look, I know a lot of people. I have three members of Congress right now helping me with this thing. If I can't, with three members of Congress and, and the people that I know, if I can't get his visa through, what about these other people? Right. I mean, think of them. Like, I, we're for, I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. I, I have relationships with people to help. And I, I'm confident those relationships will be able to help once I get into another country. What about these other people? These people will be, the Taliban's not going to do what we did uh, with, with the North Vietnamese, did with the South Vietnamese. They're not going to re-education camps. Right. They're going to the killing pool. If you want to read my book in Empire mm. Advantage, I'll plug it there. Like, go read the killing <laughs> pool. They're going to be made an example of. They're going to be executed. They're going to be tortured. Uh, it's going to be horrible what will happen to them. They're not just going to kill them. They're going to torture them in front of their – they're going to torture their wives and kids in front of them, kill their wives and kids, and then kill them. I mean, it's horrific what's going to happen to them. And, you know, unfortunately, as, a, as, Amer as, a, as Americans, we have a terrible history of doing this. We did it in Vietnam uh, where we left the South Vietnamese. We did it during the Gulf War uh, when we left, you know, Kuwaitis to deal with the aftermath of, of, of us not leaving correctly and, uh, and, and Iraqis that helped us. 
And, and we did it in, uh, at Al-Assad Air Base when President Obama gave the order to leave Al-Assad Air Base behind. And when he left Al-Assad Air Base behind, uh, we left, uh, one thing we left was equipment. We left, you know, mechanized vehicles and our, right. our artillery and weapons and right. helicopters and all that stuff. And, and we left our Iraqis that fought alongside of us there. And we just left. And, and our veterans had to watch cities like Ramadi and Fallujah, cities right. that we fought for and died, and some of our people died for, people that you and I know, yep. to, to win those cities over. We watched those cities be overtaken again by ISIS and the insurgents uh, who came over from Iran and other places. And, and they overtook those cities again in our equipment. And they killed Iraqis that served with us with our weapons and ammo. You know, and it's horrific to see that happen. And now here we are in Afghanistan, right. doing it again. We leave in Bagram Air Force Base. And we, we're, and, and we left it. We leave our equipment there. We leave our weapons there. We left, we, we have helicopters there that we left. Blackhawks and Apache helicopters right. that we left there. And, and I have no doubt, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. Please, God, let me be wrong. <laughs> in the next month, we're going to see the Taliban taking that base and taking that equipment and, and, and taking over parts of Afghanistan and killing our, our Afghan allies with, the, with our own equipment. And, it, and it's just horrific. We, there's a better way we could have done this. And, uh, and, and, and even though we didn't lead the right way, we still have the opportunity to help these guys do the morally right thing. Right. We're, we, we claim to be right now a country of immigration. We have the southern border with doors wide open, letting in people that we don't even know who they are, people with COVID and all kinds of stuff coming into our country. We don't even know who these people are. But these Afghans, we're going to close the door on them. Right. The guys that served with us, that, that died for us, that bled for us, that risked their lives for us, that have been proven their loyalty to America. Many of them have been vetted. Many of them have been polygraphed. We're going to close the doors on them. It's yeah. just wrong. And we have yeah. to do the right thing here. So for those that are listening to this and maybe they're new to this, this topic, they just didn't know this was happening or uh, they've heard about it, but didn't know exactly, you know, all the details that you just outlined for us. Um, maybe they don't have the same platform or the same opportunities that you have yeah. and can't just go, well, fine. If the government won't, then I will. Uh, what do you want? And you're, you're doing a lot of speaking on this right now. What do you want normal people who care about human life <laughs> and care about our allies, what do you want them to do? What, what can a normal person do in response to, to all of this that was just shared? Well, I mean, if you, if you, uh, you know, first are confused about it, there's lots of information out there uh, uh, on, on my, on my Instagram page or my Facebook page of some of the stuff I'm talking about, educate yourself on who these people are. These people are not the bad guys. Right. Um, you know, we, and we owe it to them to help them, but about having a platform, like everybody has a platform. I mean, Maybe you have 10 people that you can reach. Maybe you have 10,000, maybe you have 10 million. Like everybody has a different platform. Share this story with others. Share this podcast. Share some of my other stuff I posted over in my Instagram page over the last few weeks. Like share this, share this story because no one really knows about this story. People, if you turn on the news, you're not going to be educated. You'll be told yep. to lie that we're actually helping or not. Uh, so educate yourself on what's going on and share with others. People need to know. That's the first thing that people need to do. And the next thing is, is contact your congressman. We all have a congressman that represents us and you have access to call them. Call them and put pressure on them. Say, hey, you know this bill that you guys are high-fiving, this bipartisan right. bill, you right. guys are high-fiving at your pass, 98-0 or 95-0, whatever the number is. Like, guess what? You guys pass this bill, but the State Department's not doing what they're supposed to do with it. And these Afghans are still being left behind. So stop cheering and celebrating and start calling the State Department and making them enforce that they do this. And 
while you can't call the State Department and tell them to do this, you can call your congressman. And your congressman has the authority to put pressure on the State Department to do this. And if everybody gets on the phone and starts harassing their congressman, you know, you're the constituents. You're the one that votes them in office. Right. Uh, and they're, they're going to have the ability and authority to put that pressure on the State Department to do the right thing here. Yeah, that's good. Uh, a lot of other things we could talk about here, but man, what a what an issue. And it's one that people need to think about and need to understand um, from why we're leaving to how we're leaving to what we're leaving behind and the consequences, even for U.S. service members who have served there. Uh, so many things were said. And uh, Chad, uh, your perspective on this. And again, you've been speaking on this for quite a while. This is not a new topic, um, but one that a lot of people need to get their heads around. Um, typically, at this point, we do a situation report. I won't do a situation report, but I will say, uh, as Chad just mentioned, uh, I'll echo it, it get involved. Uh, we have what influence we do. And in a month or two months, when we begin to see the consequences of the decisions that have been made by our politicians to uh, leave Afghanistan the way that we've left Afghanistan to leave many of these folks behind that have helped us. When we begin to see what happens there, we'll want to know on this end that we did everything we possibly could to stop it. Uh, and that is using our platform, that is using the leverage that we have to get those who can make decisions to make those decisions. Uh, what's puzzling about so much of this is, is why, and we don't know why. We don't know why there hasn't been more action taken. It doesn't make sense, but there is a reason. There is an answer somewhere. Uh, we don't know what that answer is, so let's exert our influence to push those who need to make the right decisions to make the right decisions. And uh, we'll be happy that we did. Such an important issue, and uh, maybe it's one that you're not familiar with. Now you are, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that you are. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.